All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, it's a very easy one for you. Tried to get one at the front of the Bible to make it easy on you. No, this is, a, this is a, the, the story of creation, of course, the story of Adam and Eve we find here in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to get to it in just a second. The devil made me do it. You ever heard somebody use that excuse? Maybe you've used that excuse yourself. The truth is, the devil tempted us to do it, but we have a free choice to decide whether we're going to follow and fall into that temptation or not give into that temptation. We, we give to, into that temptation, and we choose to sin. And it actually happened the very first time with the very first man and woman, and we find that in Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 8, the Bible says, and when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I've heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. We're very good at coming up with excuses, aren't we? I just did a quick search, and boy, I, I, uh, you could spend days and days and days reading through this stuff on the internet, but excuses that people came up with for why they couldn't make it into work. Some of these excuses, I got my fingers stuck in a bowling ball. What a good excuse. My girlfriend threw a Wii remote at me and it chipped my tooth. Here's a great one. I got bitten by a mosquito. Boy, if that's all you have to do to get out of work these days, I'll take it, right? I slept funny on my arms and now they're asleep. Somebody else said this excuse. I rolled out of bed and knocked myself out so I missed my alarm. How about this one? I was sitting, and my legs fell asleep. When I stood up, I fell and broke my ankle. Great excuse to stay out of work. How about this one? A fox stole my car keys while I was asleep. Very believable. How about this one? I had a dream that my cat died, and now I'm afraid to leave her. Wow. A chicken attacked my mother. All these, supposedly, these are all true stories that people gave as excuses for why they couldn't go to work. My goldfish is ill. How do you even know if a goldfish is ill? He's swimming upside down in the, in the bowl, maybe. My cat has hiccups, and I can't leave her. How about this one? A cow broke into my house, and I'm waiting for the insurance man. Oh, I probably came in through a window. A random man broke in last night, and he's asleep on my couch. How about this? This is a good one. It's a secret. If I tell you, you'll be in grave danger. Here's a good one. My soon-to-be ex-wife is burning all of my possessions on the front lawn. Here you go. I climbed a tree to help a cat, and now I'm stuck. Here's, here's a good one somebody came up with. I had to attend the funeral of my wife's cousin's pet because I'm an uncle and a pallbearer. <laughs> wow, how about that? I can't come to work. I think this one takes the cake because I accidentally got on a plane. How do you accidentally get on a plane? Uh, here's one. I got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store, and I couldn't get out. <laughs> the last one. I ate cat food instead of tuna, and I'm deathly ill. Uh, how about that? You can do anything. People will do anything to get out of work, and those things are obviously related to work. 
hardly relevant to the message this morning, other than to show that people love to come up with excuses. People love to come up with excuses, but it becomes a whole lot more serious when we come up with excuses that keep us from living for God the way that we should. Now, this message this morning is going to hit close to home for a lot of us because we like to use excuses. Um, we allow the devil to tell us lie after lie, and we fall for them in our attempt to shirk our biblical responsibility. We have a great responsibility before God, according to what the Bible tells us we should be and should not be doing. But the devil is not going to come to you and say, hate God. Okay, I guess I'll hate God. No, he's not going to come to you. He knows that more than likely you're not going to turn your back on God completely. He knows that we inherently know that there is a God and we're going to do what we can at least to try to make him happy from time to time. He knows that he's not going to get the majority of people to become atheists or something like that. And so he comes to us in a very sneaky way. He comes in the back door with the greatest of all excuses. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the devil's number one excuse. That excuse is do it later. Do it later. The devil's number one excuse. We'll look at that this morning. Let's pray and we'll get into the message. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the time that we can spend together. God, I pray that you would help us to have hearts that are open to what you have for us this morning. We all have used this excuse at some point or other, and there may be a whole handful, a whole crowd of people that are using that excuse this morning with any number of things. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to recognize that and that we do the things that you want us to do now. pray that you'd bless the message. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, if you will, to James chapter number 2, all the way toward the back of the New Testament. The devil's number one excuse, do it later. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm going to give you some ways that the devil uses that excuse. And the first thing is he says, get saved later. Get saved later. There's a lot of people that have heard the gospel, especially in this church. I take very seriously my responsibility as the pastor to make sure that if people come into this church, they cannot walk out of this place without saying, I never heard how I could get to heaven. I want everybody to know how they can get to heaven. The, the way to heaven is so simple. It's, we, we try to make it complicated so many times. We, we, we try to make it all about how good we are. We try to make it all about uh, whether we adhere to the doctrines of this church or that church or whatever else. Those things don't have anything to do with whether or not we make it to heaven. The way to heaven is a whole lot simpler than that. The way to heaven is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior and as the payment for your sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross and died on the cross for my sin. He never would have had to die if it was not for me. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross so that in addition to how good I was, he could be that little extra that pushes me over the edge into heaven. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross so that I could go and live my life how I want to, and then at the end of my life, well, hopefully I'm going to stand before God, and he'll put all my good works on one side and my bad works on the other, and maybe those good works will outweigh the bad works. If that was the case, then Jesus Christ never would have had to die in the first place. His death is the payment for my sin and the only payment for my sin. Jesus makes that very clear in John chapter 14 and verse 6. What does he say? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He does not say but by me and baptism. He doesn't say but by me and good works. He doesn't say but by me and everything else that you can come up with in ways that you think you should be trying to get to heaven. He doesn't say any of those things. He says 
I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. We can't get to heaven in any other way but by Jesus Christ. I love every person. I love to try to love them the way that God does. And I don't want to see anyone spend an eternity in hell, but the devil comes to us with all of the excuses. You need to get saved, but do it later. Do it later. You've got time. What the preacher is saying is true. There is a heaven and there is a hell. In fact, look what the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19. You think that the devil doesn't come to you and try to get you to believe that there's a heaven and a hell, that there's a God, that there is a punishment for those that are not saved? Look what he says. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The devil's not going to come to you and say there is no God. He knows that there's a God. And the fact that there is a God causes him and all the rest of his devilish imps in hell to tremble. Because they believe. They know that there's a hell. They know that there's a heaven. And he'll let you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Because he knows that it's true. But he'll tell you that you have plenty of time. Do it later. Do it later. The devil's number one excuse. I don't have to remind you that a 41-year-old Kobe Bryant, figure that was larger than life, took his last breath on this earth and his first one in eternity last Sunday. I was never really a Kobe Bryant fan. Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest player that ever played basketball. But Kobe Bryant came in with Michael Jordan, and so I ended up watching some of him playing, and I was never a Lakers fan or any of those things. And I don't know why. I told my wife, I don't know why it hit me the way that it did when I heard that Kobe Bryant was in a helicopter crash and died. It was like a punch in the gut to everybody, whether you were a Kobe fan or not, because here this guy who is larger than life, that is one of the, you know, ranked among one of the greatest basketball players who's ever lived, is dead at 41 years old. He had so much life left, but he didn't, because the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, and I don't know Kobe Bryant's heart, but if Kobe Bryant was trusting in his good works or in his baptism to get him to heaven instead of in Jesus Christ, then the sad reality is that Kobe Bryant is not skipping around in heaven this morning. Kobe Bryant is burning in hell. And I don't say that to try to, to try to mock him or anybody else, but I'm trying to get you to realize the gravity of this situation. You don't know when the last moment is that you're going to be on this earth. And if you wait, if you fall for the devil's excuse, do it later. It might be too late. I'm a chaplain for our Henrico Police Department. I've watched so many people take their last breath. I've watched so many people who never thought they were going to be dead at the age that they were laying dead somewhere. I saw a little eight-year-old boy take his last breaths in a hospital bed after they drug him out of a pool and he drowned. I saw a young mother laying 75 feet away from the bike that she was riding when she was hit by a car. I saw a 27-year-old girl who was actually battling cancer mangled in the front seat of a car. And her friend that was 25 years old in the back seat, both dead, when they decided they were going to run from the police and crashed. 27 years old. 25 years old. They never thought when they got in the car 
a few minutes before that, that that was going to be the last breath that they took on this earth. And I don't know anybody's heart. I only know my heart. I can't tell you whether you're saved or not. But let me tell you this. If you are putting it off because the devil's telling you, do it later, do it later, you may not have another moment on this earth to do it later. My goal is not to scare you this morning. God knows that. My goal is to get you to realize that 100% of people die. And most of them never knew that it was coming. Turn a couple pages over to James chapter 4. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Oh, we think that we're just going to go on and we make plans for six months. We make plans for a year. Five years from now, I'm going to be doing this. In 10 years when I retire, I'm going to be doing this. You may not make it 10 years to retirement. You might not have that much time. Oh, we all think that we do, but you don't know. You don't know. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. All of us have done that at one point or another. We put a pot on the stove and let it boil, and you see the steam that goes up into the air. And does it hang like a cloud in the air? No, it's there for just a split second, and it's gone. And that's what the Bible says. That's our life. Our life is just like a vapor. It's here. It's there for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. Even if you live to be 70, 80, 90 years old, your life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And we only have this life to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. My friend, you're not guaranteed another moment. You're not promised another breath. And when your time on this earth expires, all the money in the world cannot buy you one more second of time on this earth. If you've not made plans for eternity, then you have no plans. Perhaps you're in here this morning and you know that you need to be saved, but you're putting it off. Don't let the devil gain that victory again. There's an old song. Usually don't sing without music, but it says, I got up on Sunday morning. I went to church at 10. I listened to the words I'd heard time and time again. But the preacher spoke of sinful lives. It seemed he spoke of mine. But I was young, I had plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wished to live. How to beat the other fellow, how to get what life could give. Making money isn't sinful, having fun is not a crime. Oh, I'll just wait, I've got plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound, to eternal darkness or to heaven's crowns. I'm just a young man, not yet in my prime, so I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. Before I knew what had happened, life's scenes had passed away. And millions stood before God's throne, for this was judgment day. Now eternal darkness beckons, and the name it calls is mine. Because I lived like I had plenty of time. Eternity waits, and I've got plenty of time to think of 
all the days that Christ could have been mine. Now my chance is over, earth's days are far behind. But I just thought I had plenty of time. Don't allow the devil to be the one laughing over your grave on the day that you're called to stand before God. Don't let him gloat over the fact that the excuse he fed you time and time again worked. Don't wait. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today. But let me show you another way that the devil uses that excuse. Turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 5. I want to show you a story in the Bible because the second way that the devil uses that excuse, do it later, as he tells us, get right with God later. Get right with God later. You probably heard the story in 2 Kings of Naaman. Naaman was a great captain of an army. And he heard of Elijah in Israel and that, that he had the power of God to be able to heal. And so Naaman came, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 14, Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. You see, Naaman was a leper. Naaman had a disease that was not curable. When someone became leprous in those days, they were banished to a leper colony and basically given this, the death sentence. They were just going to this leper colony to wait out the time that they had left to live. Because this disease, this, this flesh-eating disease called leprosy would just slowly but surely eat away at you until eventually you had nothing left and you died. And Naaman, as this great captain of this great army, realized that he had leprosy. And so he goes to Elisha, and Elisha says, all right, your leprosy can go away. Go dunk in the Jordan River seven times. The Jordan River was a very dirty river. People didn't like to go into the Jordan River. But Naaman, verse 11 says, was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away. So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You see, Naaman, because he was too proud, almost lost out on the opportunity of a lifetime because he was not willing to humble himself and go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And finally, one of his servants came to him and knocked some sense to him and said, if he had asked you to, to go do some great thing, you would have done it. He's asking you to do something so simple. He wants you to just go dip in the Jordan River. Don't you think it's so much better to just do that than anything else? And he finally came to his senses, and he went, and he dipped in the, seven, in the Jordan River seven times. And after he came up on that seventh time, his skin was completely clean. The Bible says like a little child, his skin was just perfectly smooth. And so many Christians, I think, do the same thing with sin. You know, leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. Leprosy is a cancer that just eats away and eats away and eats away. And that's exactly what sin is in each one of our lives. It'll just eat away at us and eat away at us and eat away at us until eventually it kills our spiritual lives. When Christians are not willing to get right because, quite frankly, they enjoy it. 
The devil tells him, well, you know what? Just there'll be time to get rid of that sin and get right with God tomorrow. Oh, he tells us that over and over and over. Just enjoy this one more time or just a little bit longer and then you can get it right. Before you know it, you've lived a lifetime having never known what it feels like to be really right with God. Before you know it, you've lived a lifetime having never known his power or his true potential to use you. Before you know it, you've lived a lifetime having never really been on praying ground with God because the devil gave you that excuse over and over and over and you used it. I'll do it. I'll get right with God, but I'm just going to do it later. I'm just going to do this this one more time tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll get right with God. J.C. Ryle, an old preacher of the past, said tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's. Satan does not care how spiritual your intentions are or how holy your resolutions, if only they are determined to be done tomorrow. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ didn't make an excuse for why he couldn't go to the cross for us? Well, I'll I'll die on the cross. I'll, I'll just do it later. Aren't you glad that he didn't say that? If he was willing to die for us, should we not be more than willing to live for him? St. Augustine said, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. Maybe you have some wicked music that you need to get rid of. Maybe you have some wicked language that you need to get rid of that you need to clean up. Maybe you have some things stored on your computer that you need to wipe clean. It's getting close to home with some of these things. Maybe you have websites that you visit that should not be part of your internet history. Maybe you have movies at home that have cursing and immorality on them and you're allowing those things into your home. Maybe it's time to get rid of some of those things. Maybe you allow TV programs to come into your house that have those same things that are not pleasing to God. It's time to get right with God. Look, I want my, and I'm not telling you something to do that I have not done myself and done for many years. I want Jesus Christ to feel so comfortable living in my home that he could come in and out as he pleases and nothing would change. Isn't that how we're supposed to live our lives? Look, we pretend that, well, Jesus doesn't live on this earth anymore, so uh, he's actually not going to come to my house. But if he did, no, you know what? If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ lives in your heart right now. He lives in your home right now. And when we allow these things to be there without cleaning those things up, can you imagine how it grieves his heart to have to live in somebody that is so full of wickedness and will not get it clean. I know this is not popular preaching today, but it's necessary. And there's a reason why Christianity is falling away. There's a reason why Christians are not right with God anymore. And it's because we listen to the devil's excuse, you can get right with God, but do it later. Do it later. There'll be plenty of time for you to get all those things cleaned up. Enjoy your life now, and you can get right with God later. But friends, I'm telling you, you're not guaranteed later. You're not guaranteed that you'll have the time to get everything right with God before he calls me home and I stand before him. But that's the excuse the devil feeds us, and we say, you know what? That's a good one. I think I'll use it. We live our entire lives having never known what it feels like to be really 
used by God. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Is entertainment enjoyable? Sure. If it doesn't go against the word of God, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. Nothing wrong with watching a basketball game or a football game or a, a program on TV that, that is actually clean. Nothing wrong with that thing inherently. But the problem is we've just fallen into this trap that, well, I mean, it's just what they have nowadays. So I guess if it's got cussing in it, I, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? Well, I know it's immorality. and I don't do that myself. But, you know, I mean, it's just part of the program. Why? Why? Why are we going to allow those things into our homes? Why are we going to allow those things into our life? Let me remind you. We're not here because we're showing off how good we are. We're here because we need to get well. I'm giving you what the Bible says about how to do it. We need to get right with God. And not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not in a few years. Today. Do it today. Do it today. Get right with God this morning. Don't let the devil convince you that you can do it later. Later turns into never. And I guess that probably as I'm preaching this morning, the Lord might be bringing things to your mind that you know is not right in your own life. And you might be convicted about some of those things. And wow, you know what? I really do need to change those things. And if that's the case, you need to be down at an old-fashioned altar this morning. Because if you wait to get those things taken care of, you're going to walk out of here and you know what the devil's going to say? Boy, that pastor was right. He's right. That's what the Bible does say. And I'm going to get that taken care of later. And you're going to fall into that same trap that the devil has fed you over and over and over. I'll get right with God. I'll do it later. Here's the last thing. The devil uses this excuse. Serve God later. Serve God later. You might be saved. You might have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You might have been saved for years. You might have been saved for a couple months. You might be right with God, but if you're not serving him when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, then you're listening to the devil's excuse. Because you know what? If you're saved, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. The Holy Spirit tells you what he wants you to do. And many times that relates to us sharing the message of the gospel with somebody else. Most of you have a list of people that you're praying for this year. Each one reach one. That's our theme this year. We're trying to get people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they come to church, great. But, but when we stand before God, he's not going to say, how many people did you lead to church? He's going to say, how many people did you lead to Christ? Because you can go to church your entire life and stand before God and then be sentenced. It's not the right word, maybe, but sentenced to hell for all of eternity. Because it doesn't matter how many times you darken the door of a church building. It matters whether or not you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Our goal is not to get people to church. Our goal is to get people to Jesus. And many times the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and say, you need to go talk to that guy. You need to go, you need to go witness and you need to go share the gospel with him. And most of the time, it's not people we don't know. It's people we do know. It's people we see every day. It's people we work with. It's people that are in our own family. It's people that we come into contact with a lot. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to talk to him. You need to talk to him. Yeah, I do. I need, I need to talk to him. I need, I need to share the gospel with him. But you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. And the devil turns that into do it tomorrow. 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 And we never share the gospel with them. 
And they might pass into eternity without having ever heard how they could be saved. What it all comes down to is that you're listening to the devil's excuse to serve God later. Somebody said, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Well, uh, you know, if I just, you know, I don't know how he's going to take it. And, you know, this is just not the right time. I mean, there's, there's going to be a better time. To t- no, if, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you're going to find an excuse. If you knew that that person had one day left to live, would you go tell them that they could be saved? If you knew that they were only going to be on this earth for another 24 hours, you would do whatever you had to do to share the message of the gospel with that person. I can guarantee you that. I think all of us would agree that we would. But how are you going to know that they have more than one day left on this earth? Can you bear the thought of that person dying and burning in hell because you neglected to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2 says, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I want you to turn to one last verse and we'll be done. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. I can tell you this. Five minutes inside eternity... I believe every one of us will wish we had sacrificed more. I believe every one of us will wish we had prayed more. Every one of us are going to wish that we had witnessed for Jesus Christ more. Every one of us are going to wish that we were closer to God. Every one of us were going to wish that we had loved more, prayed more, served more, grieved more, wept more over the souls that are dying and on their way to hell. But then it's going to be too late. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says this. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Great evangelist D.L. Moody had a little thing written in the side of his Bible next to those words in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. He wrote this, I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do by the grace of God, I will do. Perhaps you're here this morning needing to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Step out of your seat and come forward and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to be saved. There's no point in putting it off. Because... This might be your last chance. And I'm not, I'm, please, I'm not trying to scare you. You have breath in your body right now. You have life in your body right now. But you're not guaranteed that that's what it will be like tomorrow morning. You're not guaranteed that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And if you walk out of this place not having the assurance that you are on your way to heaven and your time on this earth comes to an end. That excuse to do it tomorrow will be the excuse that causes you to burn in hell forever and ever 
and ever and ever and ever. Someone said excuses will, all be, oh, will always be there, but opportunity won't. Excuses will always be there, but the opportunity won't. How sad it would be for someone to walk out of this room this morning having rejected Christ again, only to be called into eternity. May I remind you that eternity is only one breath away? Life is so fragile. Life is so fragile. It can end in an instant. But beyond that, are you living with unconfessed sin in your life? Are you putting off getting really right with God? Take care of that this morning. I don't know about you, but I want God to find me faithfully serving him. I want him to find me faithfully living for him. I want him to find me with my heart clean and with my heart right before him. I don't want him to have to come and find me with a heart full of all these things that I could have and should have gotten right but didn't. Maybe you aren't serving God the way that you could or should be. Maybe you have people that are willing, that you're willing to pray for every now and then, but you're putting off telling them that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, the devil's going to give you a million reasons why you can't tell him. But what if today was their last day on this earth? Won't you serve God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Are you falling for the devil's number one excuse? Oh, he's, he's not going to get most of us by saying, quit everything. Go hate God, turn your back on everything, become an atheist. He's not going to get the majority of people that way. Do you know how he does get us? Do it later. You, you need to get saved, but just not today. Do it later. You need to get your life right with God, but there's time. Do it later. You need to serve God. You need to be a witness for Jesus Christ tomorrow. Before you know it, your life's passed. And the opportunity's gone. Don't let the devil win another day. Don't wait. Get saved today. Get right with God today. Serve God today while you still have the time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the fact that you've made it so clear in the word of God that we can know for sure that we're going to heaven when we die. God, I don't know anybody's heart in this place other than mine. But I pray that each one of us would look inside and determine whether or not we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I pray that if there is somebody in here that's struggling with that, I pray that if there is somebody in here that doesn't know for sure that they're saved, that you'd give them the boldness to step out of the pew this morning and come forward and let somebody take the Bible and show them how they can be saved. For those that are, I pray that you give us the boldness to step out of our seats this morning and come and kneel down at an old-fashioned altar and Give those things up to you. There is no sin. There is no sin that's worth giving up a wonderful relationship with you. Nothing in this world can replace your blessing. Nothing in this world can replace a relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to quit falling for the devil's excuse to do it later. That you help each one of us to make a determination that we'll do it now. We'll do it today. Before it's too late.
If you would, please stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I've mentioned it a couple times. Everybody's heads are bowed and everybody's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We're not calling anybody out. But perhaps you don't know for sure that you're saved. Won't you let somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure? Get that settled this morning. There is no uncertainty like the uncertainty of not knowing where you're going to spend eternity because that's permanent. Oh, maybe I don't know where to live or what I'm going to drive or where I'm going to work. Those things can all be taken care of. Eternity cannot be once it happens. The Bible is very clear that we can know that when we pass from this life into eternity, we can go to heaven when we die. Won't you let somebody take the Bible and show you that this morning? Beyond that, if you need to get some things right with God, do it this morning. Do it this morning. Get those things right. As the piano plays, the invitation is open and you can come.